0: Spanish is the second most commonly spoken language across the United States.
1: Bienvenidos y gracias por acompañarnos.
0: Es un
2: nuevo día, una nueva oportunidad de salir adelante.
1: Imagina un nuevo camino hacia el
0: futuro. All across Michigan, we have Spanish speaking communities. But for majority Latino communities such as Southwest Detroit, a lack of widespread, in depth Spanish language reporting means that many stories simply aren't being
2: told. Detroit is very lucky in that it's incredibly rich in terms of media and media coverage. There's Outlier, there's Planet Detroit, there's the Metro Times, the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, WDET and on and on. And even still, while we have all of those media stations cover Detroit, there is still that lack of deep coverage deep in the communities of this city.
0: The opportunity for revival of an established Spanish-language newspaper in southwest Detroit came up when the paper recently changed hands. Our guests today are going to talk to us about what mainstream news doesn't get about Spanish-speaking readers and audiences, and what they're doing to shine brighter lights on community news in both Spanish and English. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Angela Gallegos is a contributing writer to El Central Hispanic News. And Martina Guzman is the founder and director of the Race and Justice Reporting Initiative at the Damon J. Keith Center for Civil Rights at Wayne State University. Martina told us that this project grew out of the center's work.
2: Yeah, so in 2019, we received a grant from the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan to begin an initiative to support freelance journalists of color who were reporting or who wanted to report in communities of color. It was a result of interviewing a lot of activists and organizers in Detroit and their incredible distrust of the media. And I felt that this was something that was a big issue within the journalism community, but something that I could have an impact on here in Detroit. So I began to work with freelance journalists who I believed were doing some of the most important work. They were out in communities where many of the local major media outlets aren't able to go to for lack of staffing or for an inability to get to certain places or connect with those communities. And these freelancers were able to get there. So I was able to support them and begin to create this network of freelancers. And that network was ultimately something that I would parlay into the creation of this partnership with El Central in Southwest Detroit.
0: Not to put too fine a point on it, I assume that the distress that you mentioned comes from Having simply been ignored or talked over many times, but were there other factors that that you think are important for people to
2: understand? No, I mean, I think you're correct, April. It was definitely ignored. But when we weren't ignored, communities of color, we were talked about not comprehensively, you know, not as a whole of a community, but only when it came to things like violence or immigration. Communities of color have long complained to established media that they weren't represented properly. They weren't covered comprehensively. This didn't settle well. And even though there was connections with editors and people openly stated that this was something that bothered them, for some reason, You know, I think we could have an entire other conversation on the reasons why local media doesn't cover communities of color. It began to create a distrust, and that is something I really wanted to directly address.
0: Angela, I know that you're considered a a project manager for this collaboration that have evolved. Can you tell us the story of, of how you came to be a part of this and what happened when Martina reached out saying, hey, what if there was a newsroom dedicated to Southwest Detroit?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So I am also a native of Southwest Detroit, born and raised. I still reside in the community. And the the community is very, very important to me. It always has been. And I have been working with Martina for many years. She was my mentor uh, in college and at Wayne State University. But, uh, you know, years have passed. Since then, and um, I've always been, you know, storytelling, creative projects, uh, anything that has to do with community has always sparked my interest. And I feel like our community in Southwest Detroit is just underground, but it's thriving. And so when Martina asked me to be a part of the collective and shared a little bit about the project, and and I was already familiar with El Centro because I had written an article over the summer for them, Um, it just was a perfect fit. So I was happy to be a part of it.
0: Martina, being able to create a newsroom and to shape it, for something that hasn't been done before. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work, but it also sounds like a a sort of a sort of dream come true for a lot of journalists. Tell us about the next steps and and maybe some of the folks that that you got involved
2: that you're excited about. You know, building this newsroom was so much fun. It was something that I felt like I could really sink into. And doing call outs to people and making phone calls and sending emails to look for people who wanted to write about the community. Initially, I thought that would be difficult, but in fact, tons of people responded. And there was this need. People were ready and willing to sort of tell these stories about the community that they didn't see in major media outlets. So we were able to recruit photographers. People who wanted to write op ed editorials, people who wanted to write about health and the environment. And that led us to create a partnership with Planet Detroit, another local media startup who was doing really comprehensive reporting on the environment in the city of Detroit. And we're covering some of the issues that were in Southwest Detroit. And so what we did, and one of the next steps that we were able to take was take the stories that were being written about pollution and trucks in southwest Detroit and translate them into Spanish. And that was really pivotal for this collaboration. Those were quality of life issues that people in Detroit, especially the Spanish-speaking community, needed to hear. They needed to be informed about the things that were happening, that instead of getting their news from WhatsApp which is very prevalent in the Latino community, they were now able to pick up the newspaper and read something about health issues that was in their language. And it was a way for us to counter mis and disinformation that is another thing that's rampant in the Latino community. And if we could get to them first, if we could get this information to them, then we knew that not only, A, could we grow the newspaper and its subscriptions or the amount of people reading it, but we were informing a community of something that was a quality of life issue.
0: I'm glad you mentioned social media. The next question I have, perhaps for both of you, is what kind of decisions seemed important to you in terms of platform? As you mentioned, this project has a an actual print incarnation, but so many people, I mean, we, we shouldn't even say so many people are getting their news online. So many people are getting their news from social media. Could you maybe both say a little bit about how you're trying to think about pushing stories out? Martina, could we start with
2: you? Sure. So one of the things that El Central did, you have to understand, this was a newspaper that um, had been around for 30 years, but it was small and in sort of fledgling in a way. And so when this new partnership of Rob uh, DeWalsh and Eva Garza DeWalsh took it over, they were really ready to sort of give it new life. And it was at the perfect time for both the Race and Justice Reporting Initiative and El Central to come together. And they knew that they needed to go beyond a print edition, which is actually still very popular in Southwest Detroit, but they knew they needed to have a web presence. They knew they needed to be on Facebook. They knew they needed to have a Twitter account and to be on Instagram. that that was a way to attract a new and younger audience. Um, but I must say that even though those social media and website accounts are very popular, the newspaper itself is more popular. We have a multi-generational Latino community, and there's still a lot of recent immigrants that come to Southwest Detroit. And when they go to grocery stores, that's where they're able to pick up El Central in print. And you'd be surprised, I mean, the stacks are hundreds high. And when, when El Central goes to put the new edition out the following week, I'm always shocked at how how many newspapers are gone. People take them, people read them. And so what was happening, there was an entire new generation of social media and people who wanted to be on the website and read on their phones, who were aggressively beginning to read these stories. So we were able to hit two demographics at once, and that was really exciting.
0: We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with Martina and Angela some more about the issues that they have in mind for coverage at
2: El Central. Art and culture, which also includes restaurants, health and wellness, which was something that was desperately needed. And I think we need to start covering politics and local politicians. We'll be right back.
1: Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College. Offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu.
2: Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
0: It's hard to talk about journalism in Detroit right now without talking about nonprofit journalism, and I'm not I'm not just saying that as someone who works at a at a public media station. I mean, there's just been so much new energy coming in through Outlier Media, through Planet Detroit, through Bridge Detroit, and some other newsrooms and partnerships. You know, I think maybe there's even a generation that's come up now that thinks about the stories that need to be told, that they can only be told through a nonprofit. But at the same time, when I think about who's been really covering the issues of of the communities we're talking about in Southwest, I mean, it is, you know, papers like El Central and, and the other historic, more traditional newsrooms. Martina, how have you how's your thinking run and evolved on this, on how how for-profit and nonprofit might be stronger together?
2: I think exactly that. I don't think that there is one formula anymore. The media industry is in a state of evolution. Local media is in a state of evolution. And we need all of the assets that we have, whether that is nonprofits and foundations, whether that's individual donors, whether that's people buying ads. All of that needs to be combined in order for the media to continue to survive. Detroit is very lucky in that it's incredibly rich in terms of media and media coverage. I mean, you said outlier media, there's Outlier, there's Planet Detroit, there's the Metro Times, the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, WDET, and on and on. That doesn't even include the television stations. And even still... While we have all of those media stations cover Detroit, there is still that lack of deep coverage deep in the communities of this city. And there have been now these startup media outlets that have been able to cover that. And they've been able to do it because they've been able to get major grants who are committed to democracy in cities like Detroit. Angela,
0: what kinds of stories do you think we've missed without southwest detroiters having a having a durable place in mainstream media and maybe some of the stories that you're excited to write about
1: when i came on board i was excited about health and wellness in our community and i started with like just local you know local entrepreneurs in southwest detroit born and raised who are doing amazing things by creating new places for us to come in for not just Healthy foods and drinks, but you know, a place to go for community as well. So there's things like that. I was wondering about our senior citizens, you know, what's happening in Southwest Detroit. And so, you know, I was encouraged to do a deeper dive of the community centers that are focused on the senior community. And so that was another one. And then also, again, in the wellness space. A story about doulas in Southwest Detroit as well. Right. And so those are just some of the things that I'm excited to write about. And I've been able to team up with mentors as well to help me craft my stories. And I love our editorial meetings because we're able to bring new ideas to the table and work through them and bring them to life.
0: Are either of you hearing reactions from neighbors as as they pick up on what's happening?
2: Yeah, they love it. The community is finally seeing themselves. You know, we get tons of feedback, not just on social media, but personally. There's an excitement about being covered, about seeing your businesses being covered and covering economic development. And like Angela, covering health and wellness. When has our community ever been covered in terms of health and wellness? She's doing this incredible story on the need for doulas in the Latino community. Many of the women who speak Spanish and are recent immigrants from Mexico Are used to working with doulas in the states they come from. And so this was a really important health and wellness story. We are also seeing our artists covered for the first time. There is rich, rich culture in Southwest Detroit, but our artists never made it into the newspapers. Even people who were garnering national attention, you know, people who were working with groups that had been nominated for Grammys, getting no attention, and we were able to cover that. So there is an excitement. There is. This kind of energy that's not only created within these editorial meetings, but out in the community. And that keeps us going. That keeps us like wanting to do more, wanting to figure out how do we keep this going for the long term. Martina, how would you like to see this partnership evolve as you
0: grow the project? If you're able to add additional beats, what are some areas that you think might be
2: important to focus on? You know, we as a team collectively began to decide what was it that. The community needed. And the beats are small businesses and economic development, art and culture, which also includes restaurants, health and wellness, which was something that was desperately needed. And I think we need to start covering politics and local politicians But that's sort of something that's very specialized, and we're going to have to recruit or look for a reporter that really understands the breakdown of government, you know, and how that works and decisions being made in City Hall that impact Southwest Detroit. And we're working on it. I mean, it's what's next for us. And I think the way to survive is to sort of really begin to attract or create a, something comprehensive where we can get funding not only from nonprofits, but also potentially subscriptions and partnerships with the business community to support advertising. I think there has to be a multi-pronged approach in order for media to survive. Martina Guzman is director of the Race and Justice
0: Reporting Initiative at the Damon J. Keith Center for Civil Rights at Wayne State. We've also been talking with Angela Gallegos, contributing writer at El Central. Angela, Martina, it's great talking to you. Thanks for sharing this with us. Thanks, April. Thank you. And that's the Stateside Podcast today. I'm April Baer. You can find full episodes to listen to at your leisure at michiganradio.org. Stream them when you've got time. Today's podcast was produced by Mercedes Mejia. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for today's pod came from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.